Welcome to Creative Recovery Podcast, a community of artists, entrepreneurs, colorful creatives, and anyone seeking to reclaim self-expression. Creative Recovery is exploring what nourishes mind, body, and spirit in service of creative aspirations. Creative Recovery is opening to play, process, and the unknown. I am Brenna, a writer, editor, and coach, empowering people to discover their voice and reclaim self-expression. I am Lou, a hypnotist and spiritual teacher, helping people tap into their inner resources to live their most authentic lives. Please join us as we journey into a deep process of self-discovery. We will explore practices to awaken creative intelligence, connect to intuition, and live a life of purpose and joy. Hi, I'm so happy to be here today. Yes, it's really great. Are you ready to explore our topic for episode two, The Inner Critic? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> this is a really powerful topic, you know, connected to self-judgments, uh, being hard on the self, self-blame, feelings of unworthiness, feelings of shame. When does the inner critic surface for you? Well, yes, I, I was reflecting about that uh, since we decided to talk about the inner critic. I realized that the this uh, voice comes to me when I am about to take a big risk or when I am stepping out of my comfort zone, and mm. and then I think this voice comes to it's like a self doubt voice that pushes us back. Yes, I the inner critic surfaces for me a lot when I'm venturing into the unknown, um, mm -hmm. when I'm taking a risk. So that could be a big project at work that I've been assigned, or it could be, you know, a writing project, like a pretty ambitious writing project, like writing a book or um, submitting a piece that has been accepted, like submitting some sort of proposal, a pitch to, you know, a magazine. But, you know, the inner critic also surfaces for me. So it surfaces in creative projects, but it also surfaces when I sort of go against the grain of society, for example, when I decide to give myself rest or I decide to give myself pleasure, those are things that the world we live in doesn't really reward us for. We're, we're often rewarded for working really hard and being stressed and, mm -hmm. you know, pushing and pushing and pushing. And so more and more in my adult life, I'm scaling back, less is more, resting more, giving myself pleasure more and mm -hmm. allowing joy. And my inner critic surfaces in those moments too. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've worked with a client that um, she's like a, a higher achiever. And then she told me that when she just decided to have a, a, a one day for herself and she took a nap during the afternoon, she said, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm feeling guilty because I took this nap, but I'm feeling so much better. This um, pressures that we put uh, on ourselves just make us feel more automatized, not, not listening to our bodies, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
the inner critic is judging mind. I've been really into labeling my thoughts and and labeling thoughts in a certain way where I can get some distance from them. So I've been labeling my critical thoughts, judging mind or comparison mind. And it's definitely not something that arises from the body. It's not, it's not the body's wisdom. It's not a natural rhythm. Uh, it's a, for me at least, it's an internalized pressure, some pressure from outside, whether it's pressure from parents growing up or teachers growing up or pressure from society. How about, where, where does the inner critic, where does that voice come from for you? Yeah, I, I think the critical parents have a, a um, great influence on the inner critic in the adult self. So for me, I think, yes, I, I was born in, in, in a family that couldn't um, maybe understand my creative aspirations. Uh, so I was always feeling that I was uh, inadequate and uh, because they could not um, maybe understand how my mind works or, how, or, or what is authentic to me. I have to be constantly reminding myself that it's okay and it's, it's okay to allow myself to be who I am. If you bring the perspective of the Book of Course in Miracles, the ego does not know what is good for you and the ego is, is constantly... It's either feeling superior or inferior. And then if you just release inferiority or superiority, you just step into your greatness and you step into who you truly are. That is unlimited potential. Uh, I think for me, it's a process of just allowing my greatness. It is about allowing joy. Yeah, and allowing your your sense of worthiness as mm -hmm. not tied to any particular idea of worthiness that society places on us. For example, how much money you make. That's often a mm -hmm. you know a, a uh, label of a, a way that worthiness is determined in American culture in many, many other societies too, how much money you make is your worth is contingent on that. And mm -hmm. with the creative practices, the arts, writing, these are, these are fields where they're not big money makers necessarily. They can be, but they're not often, or they're not even thought to be big money makers. And so you brought up growing up in a family environment where your creative practices weren't encouraged. I think that's really common. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. my father was a pianist and a very talented pianist and his father constantly berated him and told him, you know, you're never going to be able to earn a living doing this. And at one point in my dad's adolescence, his father chopped up his piano. And so my dad suffered from a deep, deep, deep wounds, a deep inner critic. He wasn't really in the time that I had shared with him as a child. He didn't seem to find peace with his inner critic. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I felt his inner critic upon me as I felt his inner critic kind of thrust upon me in the form of criticism 
for, you know, my interests, for being a certain way um, that, you know, like kind of like less disciplined child, more carefree, a little harder to control. And so as a result, I've internalized that inner critic. So it's like there's this generational piece um, that that comes in with the inner critic that I think it's important to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And how this uh, inner critic voice is playing out in your life right now? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the inner critic tends to surface when I venture into something new and or some big risk, like I make a decision that is risky, or, you know, I don't know all the the outcomes of that decision, because it's a new, it's a new, new journey, whether it's making a big decision to change, you know, careers, or making a big decision to, um, you know, write a book or commit to a particular creative practice, even making a decision, though, smaller, just like, to take a day off of work and rest and relax, the inner critic surfaces. It, it surfaces for me, much like you said earlier, as doubt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes shame. There's a harsh voice that tells me that shoulds on me, you know, tells me I should, shouldn't be doing what I'm choosing to do. And I should be doing this other thing and that I'm not worthy enough to do this thing, or I'm not good enough to do this thing that I've set out to do or take this risk. I'm not going to be successful. It's just, it's a very negative, judging, harsh voice. That being said, I'm coming to, you know, in the past that I I would shy away. I would actually get depressed from, I would notice that the inner critic was surfacing for me because I would get depressed and I wouldn't want to do like my creative practices or I wouldn't, I'd feel a lot of fear around making big decisions. So a lot of indecision and a lot of depression. And that's, and often that's a sign, that was a sign or is a sign that my inner critic is taking over. Sometimes it takes over and I don't even realize it. Once I recognize, okay, there's depression. Okay. There's fear. Let me look and at what I, what am I telling myself? Where is the inner critic, you know, governing my, my life? Am I reacting to the inner critic? And it helps for me to kind of trace back my thoughts, but it also helps me to realize that this inner critic is trying to protect me. It really, it's actually protective. It's, it, it wants me to be successful and it doesn't think I'll be successful venturing into something unknown. So when I think about the inner critic as a, as a cruel voice, it makes me angry and it makes me depressed. When I think of the inner critic as a protective voice, Yes, harsh, but protective. I can have more compassion around it and I can allow it to arise and yet not run the show. How does it play out in your life? I think, as you said, there is this unworthiness and, well, criticism is the opposite of self-love and self-appreciation. So if you can, if you are judging, I think if we are judging ourselves, we are definitely not appreciating or, or loving ourselves or, or honoring ourselves and because we cannot honor ourselves we cannot honor anybody so it's it just uh, i think it's just an armor that we build an armor of unworthiness and and then i i think we just push people away from us and i think we push opportunities away we push people we push love away so i think uh in the past i would be 
more critical towards others, um, more critical towards people. And um, why I, I've been learning how to how to just be compassionate and also understand and bring more acceptance. I also have been learning a lot how to trust my own rhythm of things. And you mentioned about like societal pressures. I've been learning how to have this inner talk that is that is gentle, recognize when I am going to this mode of I have to do, I should be doing this. And just like, well, I will follow my own rhythm and I will just honor my own path. Taking small steps because I think sometimes this societal pressure, the societal uh, rules, just they, it just tells us that there is a certain way that is right. There is a certain way that it should be taken and it's so limiting. And then we start feeling so anxious because, well, but I'm not there yet or I'm, I'm not doing like this. I, I'm different or and then you start feeling so inadequate. And I think it's all about allowing your own rhythm, follow, yeah. following your own rhythm of doing things. Absolutely. And it's different for everybody. It's, you know, society pushes us on that productivity train. Mm -hmm. And some people don't, some, many creatives, you know, produce in spurts, and then they go through months where mm -hmm. they're not creating anything. And I know I that happens to me, you know, I, I mean, I write every day, but what, what when I'm in a big um, moment of production, where I'm actually, you know, really in a flow within a particular essay or a particular um, blog post. I, when I'm in that flow, I, you know, I'm in it and I allow that flow. And when I'm not in that flow, I often don't allow it. I say to myself, oh, you should be in the flow. Oh, you should be producing just like you were last week, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm not, that's the critical voice surfacing. Mm -hmm. That really is this internalization of society's messages that we must produce all the time and be productive all the time. And so, yes, absolutely. The inner critic is, is, is definitely, it's, it's an artificial construction. It's not part of our natural self. It's not part of our natural rhythm. But, you know, I think it developed, no person fits into society, like every, you know, every, every person is unique and has their own natural rhythms. It's different from some other person's natural rhythms. And, you know, we're, we're we kind of have to find our way in this world and no, no person really fits in. And so we follow these paths that we're steered down um, and kind of adhere to these messages that, we will be successful if we earn X amount of money or whatever the message is, we must produce a lot. And we, in order to be, we want to be accepted. We want to be accepted. And so the inner critic surfaces to help us become accepted, even though it's actually counterproductive and it's harmful. But I really, I really feel that the base of it is protective. Yeah, I think self-awareness is different from the inner critic, because I heard someone telling me something like this. Uh, wow, if I, if I didn't have judgment, if I didn't have the inner critic, I wouldn't be the person I am. And this person considered herself a really success, successful person. <laughs> and then I think what she was, 
uh, she, she was confusing self-awareness and inner critic. I think self-awareness is when you are able to, to just um, recognize your potential and you are able to be guided by your, your higher self, your higher wisdom. But even if you fail, you are able to forgive yourself. You, you are able to work on yourself without punishing yourself, without, the, yeah. without going to sacrifice, without uh, believing that that's real, that the, this punishment is real, guilt is real. Uh, and I think the inner critic makes us immerse into shame and guilt. And I think when we go into that, I think that's not, that's unhealthy. That, that doesn't take us so far that doesn't it doesn't move our energy and then when we tap into self-awareness that i think when we tap into the higher self or our higher wings or creative intelligence we are able to transform the energies transform the emotions and and then create these inner dialogues that are productive that are uh, transformative oh yeah i love that distinction between self-awareness and you know and the critic because it can be confusing i think Sometimes we do need to kind of nudge ourselves in a particular direction. We, you know, um, especially with creative practices, you know, there's a balance of inspiration and discipline. And the discipline is really like commitment. And the, the, the foundation of the discipline and the commitment, the true commitment is really from a place of deep intention and joy, not from a place of criticism. You know, I think when we look at when we're trying to decide, okay, is this the inner critic or is this self-awareness or my higher self? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you can kind of look at the, what what energy is behind the the action that you're 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 deciding to take. Is the energy like forced? Is it like I should do this? I must do this. My worthiness is dependent on this. Or is it, I want to step into this challenge because it's going to help me grow. I want to, I have a goal to write a book. And so that by the end of the year, and so that, and I really want to get this message across in a timely manner. And so I'm going to dedicate myself to getting up at five in the morning and writing for two hours every day, you know, rather than you should, you should, you, you know, like. Mm -hmm. there's the energetics is very different and so exactly yeah yeah I love this because it I think when I say about following our own rhythm is about trusting the process and yes. then moving and and being committed to move forward to transform right yeah. and I think the inner critic when we are believing in this voice that is critical judgmental we get stuck and we don't move Absolutely. we don't transform we don't create we don't ask for help we don't make calls we don't follow up and then we compare ourselves we were actually talking about doing uh we were we actually can talk about this that we mm -hmm. were i was taking classes in uh, watercolor classes and i never took watercolor classes watercolor was just my practice my creative practice to feel joyful and to allow my my inner child to express to be expressed and when i started doing the watercolor uh, training, I felt my inner critic talking to me and say, well, my gosh, you're really bad. You're not good. People are much better than you. And, and that actually blocked me a little bit. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can talk 
about this and what's your experience about um comparison that's I just feel like that's been around my whole life. <laughs> I grew up in an environment my my both both of my parents are very intellectual and my father was an academic. Um and he had a PhD in philosophy and my mother has advanced degrees in English and psychology and both very very intellectual people and 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 also the world of of academia and intellectuals um which I've also worked in there's a lot of questioning of self and others and world and and you know there's a there's a lot there's an inquiry into the world if done in a gentle curious way is you know leads to just incredible invention but oftentimes it's done in a kind of um argumentative and very judging way both of self and others shooting down people's arguments um you know and and it just creates this this very conflictual like an environment that's filled with conflict and filled with comparison and i think a lot of that is internalized um i know from growing up just around that um you know that kind of energy i inter- i never thought i was good enough i never thought i was smart enough i never thought anything i did was really good enough i also grew up in the ballet world um so you know i grew up in a kind of academic family and then in the ballet world which is all about basically comparing yourself to the greats you know the the great dancers um you know and 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 actually historically art has often been been taught that way follow the greats master the great you know copy these paintings um copy these choreographies and then once you master what has what has been done in the past and is great then you can start to do your own thing so i grew up in this you know in in a variety of different art trainings you know dance and then and then writing later on i went entered an mfa program in writing and it's kind of you know the 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 way that that i was taught was to just copy you know great people kind of mimic get get used to the styles that work and then you can do your own thing but what that it really feeds comparison mind you're always looking at some other person that made it that was successful that has you know wrote this book or um you know has this long career in dance and you're always comparing yourself to that person if you're not careful and and always kind of feeling like oh i need to master this first before i can really do my own thing and there's a i think if you're if you don't trust your own process and you don't trust your own ideas and your own um leanings you can really they get dampened and you can start to feel like i'm never going to be good enough i'm never going to be as good as this particular person that i'm you know um that i've been asked to mimic or i've been asked to emulate so i mean that's certainly you know been the case for me in you know just kind of growing up in the academic intellectual and also artistic world and it's taken a long time and still the comparison mind surfaces but it it's taken a long time to trust my own voice and to trust my own dance moves and my own collage creations uh you know and and it's that comparison mind is deeply entrenched i i feel i sometimes i feel the same and i think for me the way in which i release this comparison is 
by being really sincere with what I really want because sometimes we don't assume what we really want and then we lie to ourselves and then we delay things or we procrastinate and and I think when we don't do what we really want when we don't follow our calling that then we get trapped into comparison because then we see people that are doing or see people that are tapping to their own greatness and you feel oh my gosh right you feel so hopeless or unworthy or i don't know so my my what i my exercise my practice is to well if i am feeling comparison is because i'm not fulfilling myself Mm. So let me check where I'm not fulfilling myself and how I'm not fulfilling myself. And then I work on myself to fulfill, to just fulfill. Yeah. Like one, that's, I love what you said about that. Um, One emotion that pops in the mind is jealousy. Mm -hmm. That's a really good indicator of, you know, or putting people down who are clearly following their path because, you know, you feel some shame about not following yours. Mm -hmm. And so there's a jealousy and a sort of unconscious desire to see somebody else fail because you yourself feel so much sadness and grief about not, not following your path or not following your joy. And, you know, these are our shot. This is this, the inner, it's like, this is shadow work. You know, this is like, it's really difficult because, you know, we don't want to admit to ourselves that we want someone to fail. That just sounds cruel and mean. And yet we have to admit that that's what's going on and shed light on that shadow self in order to transcend it. You know, it's, it's work that requires an enormous amount of self-compassion, enormous. Mm -hmm and forgiveness and and the inner nurturer is is that aspect of ourself that holds a container of love and compassion and forgiveness and warmth around every all that we are which is both our higher self and you know this um the beautiful things and um brilliant things that we can create in our lives and share with the world and also our shadow self, the sides of ourself that we, you know, that make us hate ourselves or that make mm-hmm. us, you know, like, Oh, I hate that part of myself. I, I hate that. I'm jealous of this person. I hate that. I had this feeling where I just want them to fail. You know, that's really hard to admit to ourselves unless we can see that that's just one side. It's not our whole self. It's the shadow self. And that, we can bring it into the fold of this nurturing, warm, loving, compassionate container, but that takes cultivation. You know, we don't practice and. Yeah. I I have a client that we were doing some hypnotherapy sessions and then she was, she was still resisting and not having the breakthrough. And then uh, I recommended some letters of forgiveness every night before bed. And then Um, once she started doing these letters of forgiveness, she realized that the letters should be addressed to herself. And then she started writing letters of forgiveness to herself. And she was writing about things of the past and she was forgiving mm. her past. And then after that, she was good. (laughs) Like there was Mm. nothing else. Like she was, she was really, uh, aligned and, and, and free from what was holding. And, and I think self-forgiveness is also the practice. It's, 
because we are human beings and we are dealing with emotions and we are dealing mm -hmm. with societal pressures and we have these emotions we have sometimes critical thoughts and i for me the way in which i release that is just forgiving myself that i still have those feelings or these thoughts not believing that as you said that this is who i am yeah i love that i love that that this being gentle with your inner critic involves a practice of self-forgiveness that's is, is is that what it looks like for you or mm -hmm. for your client to be gentle with the inner critic yeah it can be we can look through the lens of being gentle but it's more it's just more accepting for, for forgiving mm. that you have darkness forgiving that mm -hmm. you have uh, weird stuff or forgiving that you have emotions that uh, forgiving that you have aggressiveness forgiving that you sometimes yeah. you have hate feelings just forgiving that just yeah it can be bringing gentleness up yeah and the inner nurture like that yeah. you know part of yourself that that i feel you know a lot of times we spend our adult life trying to find the inner nurture you know our our, our ability to soothe ourselves our ability to forgive ourselves our ability to be gentle on ourselves to have compassion like that container of, of 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 love and compassion that accepts all of us including the you know the 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 part of ourselves that um that we don't like or that we tell ourselves we don't like you know and that in, that includes the inner the, the critical side of ourselves too i think so the inner back to the question at the beginning i think for me the inner critic also surfaces when i've done something that i feel bad about mm -hmm. you know so so for me you know the inner critic certainly surfaces in creative projects it surfaces when i sort of decide to do something that society has told me is not productive like rest or you know pleasure or whatever but it also surfaces as shame when i feel bad about something like i yelled at somebody or you know i did something out of spite or whatever you know i mean and that forgiveness piece is really key it's so beautiful that you mentioned that and that you are so open and authentic to say about that because in our spiritual community it, it feels sometimes that when we are working on ourselves that we have a spiritual path or we have a meditation practice or we are healers or coaches we are working in the helping uh, professions it is easy to get caught into this idea that oh we got it right uh, and then we have yes. the pressure of like, well, if I am helping people, it's, it's means minimal that I got for myself. And that's not sometimes real because we are still working. We are still learning. And for me in the past, I think now it's becoming, I'm becoming more gentle with myself. But in the past, if I would react in a way that is not loving or that is more aggressive, I would feel so, so bad more because of the self-image, the wrong self-image, the false self-image that, oh, I'm good. I'm, yeah. I am already high. I, I got it, you know? And Absolutely. I, I think the inner critic would come really strong and say, you see? you are not good so so i am learning to while working with people to, to, to try to bring my authenticity and and not 
put myself in a position that I'm giving anything. We are just, we are just sharing and I'm just working as a mirror so people can see where they are. That's beautiful. Yeah. The authenticity, you know, it, it is a buzzword like mindfulness and, you know, compassion, but what it really, that this is what it is. Authenticity is, is, is like accepting the shadow side and working with the shadow side and also the higher light lighter side of ourselves is both you know and um i have my one of my teachers is pema chodron and this past weekend i did an online uh retreat with her she's a um an american buddhist nun she but before she became ordained she lived you know she was married she was a teacher she had children you know she's lived just kind of a life a non-monastic non you know she's lived a secular life but what and she you know she's studied with so many great teachers she's very she's written a ton of books and she's really wise and has cultivated an enormous amount of wisdom um, over, you know, over, over her lifetime. She's in her 80s. One of the things that I love about her is, you know, she's definitely in the spiritual community. This is what she's devoted her life to. And yet she's just the most authentic person I've ever met. She, you know, on the, in this weekend retreat, she, there were a lot of difficult questions that came up, especially around Black Lives Matter, you know, the, the, the theme of the retreat was welcoming the unwelcome. And there was, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things happening in the world right now that are, that are unwelcome, like COVID, um, you know, polarized, political polarization, violence, fires, you know, and, and so there was a lot of questions, you know, being posed to her, you know, like, how am I supposed to be at peace with this? And, you know, and she just, she, it really came down to holding it all. And, both what how you're feeling and what's happening in the world and how others are feeling with with warmth and compassion and the practices that we learned that weekend were self-compassion practices were um compa- uh, com- sending compassion to to other people but one of the things i love about her and and how she's so authentic she said something that um one time there was a question posed to her about police brutality. And she, she said, I answered that question wrong. Like I didn't answer it in, and and the person was very upset. And this was like live in front of thousands of people. And she said, I learned a lot. You know, I, I answered a question in a way that I would never answer it now, but I learned from going through that experience. I didn't know anything about police brutality. And so she admits this, you know, she, it's like, she's this great spiritual teacher. You think is wise on every subject. She's human, you know, and she admits that and she brings it up in her teachings and that's authenticity. And I did. It's it's beautiful. Uh, She's written a lot of books about fear, smile at fear, working with fear and other books. uh, One of her most, famous ones was called when things fall apart i mean it's you know it's all about the shadow side Mm -hmm. the shadow work and it's all about embracing uh embracing your your complexity and 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 working with that and uh so i think uh we are almost uh finishing the conversation and 
before, um, let's give some thought about what practices we can have on a daily basis to support self-awareness. And, yeah. um, and so what I can say is that it is so important that we surround ourselves with supportive people because especially women or men that grew up in, in houses where we we did not have this nourishment. We did not have our voices heard. We did not have, or maybe this is what we believe about ourselves. Sometimes it's not real. Sometimes the, the mm -hmm. child made up, but, uh, but it's okay. It's just, it's, it's a feeling. So how can we surround ourselves with people that support our dreams that, um, and also can, have, can give us real feedback right? Mm -hmm. They are also on the path of authenticity. And so for me, that's, that's something, that's a point for me that is really important, has a practice, like look for people and, and, and be surrounded by people that support us, right? What about Ab you? Yeah, absolutely. And be your own supporter too. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and, and the yeah. thing is, one thing, one practice that I just recently, I actually wrote this down on a sticky note and put it in front of my computer. The practice that literally takes one, a couple seconds to do that, that um, facilitates self-awareness is mm -hmm. called the three P's. Um, and it's pause, presence, and then proceed. You know, I've been using it when I feel a negative emotion or like when I feel some kind of like negative feeling, like maybe I sit down to write and I just feel like crap. Like I kind of feel like a piece of, I, you know, just kind of a piece of crap or I, I can, it's like the inner critic. Sometimes I can't always, sometimes the inner critic is just so entangled in there that the thought doesn't necessarily come in that you are not good or you are unworthy but it's a feeling. And the feeling is I just feel like kind of depressed or I feel like I don't want to write. Mm -hmm. And so when that feeling arises, I, I pause and I, 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 I seek presence, which usually means I, I find some part of my body, like the breath, or I connect to my senses that brings me back into the present. And then I proceed, you know, so that I'm starting with this embodied awareness, you know, like what is real? What is real right now? Right now I'm pretty comfortable. I've got some tea, you know, I'm like, I'm in my pajamas. My computer has a really beautiful desk, you know, uh, backdrop. Like I'm, you know, I've got a candle lit, like it's, that's what's real. And so why wouldn't I want to explore this activity of writing this fun, you know, I've got space and time. And so that's what's real. So connecting to what's real when that, when a feeling arises that's, that's uncomfortable or negative or makes me give, brings me some sort of um, negative feeling, connect mm -hmm. to what's real and then proceed from that place. And it's amazing how it just doing that multiple times in a day, it, it trains me to just become more aware of, um, you know, of, of what's arising in me. And, you know, I don't always have to investigate what's arising within me in that moment, but I, it, it starts with the awareness. It starts with the awareness. And that's a really simple practice that can facilitate that. Lovely. I love, I love the idea of being, so be, uh, being our own supportives. 
That's really yeah. beautiful. Okay, so we are almost uh, ready to go. But before we leave, we have some gifts that we'll be offering mm -hmm. um, that is part of this episode. Do you want to say what we'll be offering? Yes. So I will be offering a guided meditation um, specific specifically addressing having um, cultivating self-compassion and especially around judging thoughts and critical thoughts. That's awesome. And I will be offering a hypnosis or the inner critic to expand this self-awareness and expand our greatness. Brenna, tell me how people can find you. Um, so I, you can find me on social media, on Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, and my handle is at BrenBrain, B-R-E-N-B-R-A-I-N. Um, I'm on Facebook as Brenna Fitzgerald. And then my website is habitsofwellbeing.com. And you can uh, read my writing on my website. You can make uh, schedule a discovery call with me if you want to explore the possibility of creativity coaching. Okay. How about you? How can we find you? Yes, my website is lukami.com. I am on Instagram, lu.cami. I offer hypnotherapy sessions for people that are willing to transform um, their lives in a way that is, feels more authentic to them. So I will see you next month. See you next month. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.